Who is the greatest? Who is at the top? We think of life, I really wanted to do this today, but I just didn't get round to doing it, but having a big ladder up here. Because we think of life, or we, we sort of imagine life, sometimes to be like a ladder. And the greatest is at the top, and we want to go up. When you're at the top, you have power and status. People do what you say, they serve you, you're in control, you set the rules. You're the head and not the tail. Which country is the greatest? Which country has the most hard power, nuclear weapons or military force or, or soft power? Which country has the most wealth, the highest standard of living, the greatest influence? I come from a country called Great Britain. <laughs> Many people in Great Britain like to think that is because we are great. <laughs> we ruled the seas, we had an empire. And you will hear some politicians claim that we need to regain that greatness. But the origin of the word great is, I'm afraid, far more mundane. <laughs> Britain was the name used for the islands on the western part of uh, Europe. One of the islands was smaller and the other island was larger. The one was known as Smaller Britain, what we know today as Ireland, and the other was known as Greater, Bigger Britain. Or we argue about which is the greatest team of today or of all time or about those who we consider to be the greatest, the strongest, the fittest, the fastest. When I was growing up, there was a legendary boxer called Muhammad Ali. He claimed that he was the greatest. Time magazine, in fact, they did it this week, often publish a list of the 100 most influential people of the year. I guess you could say they are the current greats. And interestingly, it's not just now. Jesus' disciples argued about who was at the top of the ladder. They've been with Jesus for three years, and yet here they are arguing about which of them is the greatest. Who's the most important? Who's the most significant? And another of the Gospel writers tells us that at the same time, James and John were asking Jesus for the top two places, you know, top two rungs in heaven. And when the other disciples hear about it, they are furious. And let's not kid ourselves, we're, we're no different to them. We also want the top spot. We also are trying to go up that ladder to overtake the next person in whatever category we've chosen to play. I'm the most attractive, the most clever, the most important, the strongest, richest, most influential person. My children are more able than your children. My children have better jobs than your children. Who is the most important, most valuable, most significant person in my place of work, in my office, in my club, in my circle of friends, in my church? And please do not think that priests or ministers are any different. Often when clergy get together, people will ask, how big is your church? How big is your congregation? And what they're really asking is, how seriously should I take you? 
Because obviously, obviously, the bigger your congregation, the higher up the ladder you are. The bigger your church, the higher up the ladder you are. And I'm ashamed to say I used to love boasting that in the UK I was vicar of one of the largest parish church buildings in the country. It's very sad and a bit pathetic. <laughs> it's rooted in deep insecurity. And the tragedy is that pride and the flip side of pride, envy, kills. It burns you up and it destroys others. We look at that person further up the ladder and we resent what they have, especially if they're like us. And we want what they have. And that envy poisons us and destroys relationships. James, in chapter 3, writes about it. He mentions envy in verse 14. He warns us that this is nothing to be proud about. Instead, we need to be honest and confess it. In verse 16, he tells us that envy leads to disorder and wickedness. It's so true. When we envy someone, we want bad to happen to them, really. We're wanting to hear that they've fallen, come down a peg, a rung or two. We love to hear gossip about them and we're not above spreading gossip about them ourselves. And in chapter 4, he, he tells us that coveting, it's another form of envy, is at the root of dispute, conflict, even of war. And in chapter 3, verse 15, he says of envy, he says of the scramble to get to the top, that it is devilish wisdom. So how do we deal with all of this? How do we cope with envy? How do we cope with that desire to go up and push others down? Well, James has some suggestions for us. He tells us to seek wisdom, true wisdom, wisdom from above, God's wisdom. He tells us that if we lack wisdom, we should ask God for wisdom but ask in confidence, trusting that God will give it to us. I, I used to think that asking for wisdom was asking for specific guidance, you know, the wisdom to know what job to do, where, what to study, where to study, who to go out with, who to marry, where I should live. Or maybe we think that asking for wisdom is asking God to help us solve all problems. In the Old Testament, Solomon was known for this kind of wisdom. And so we pray for wisdom to make right decisions so that we can become wise, wise like an owl. But the wisdom that James is writing about is slightly different. Yes, it helps you become wise and it helps you make right decisions, but it is more than that. James 3 verse 17 but the wisdom from above, the heavenly wisdom, in contrast to the devilish wisdom that leads to envy and selfish, um, uh, selfish ambition, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. I love that. That's a verse I would recommend that you learn. It's a verse we should repeat to ourselves when out walking or on the metro 
or when we're awake at night. We repeat it, we take it deep into us, and then we pray it. We ask God to fill us with this divine wisdom. And Jesus also has some advice for us. But Jesus is far more radical. Because imagine that ladder going up there. What Jesus does is he turns the ladder of greatness, the ladder that leads to envy, upside down. Or rather, Jesus turns our standards upside down so that what we think is at the top is in fact at the bottom and what we think is at the bottom is in fact at the top. When he hears that the disciples have been arguing about who is the greatest, he sits down, calls the twelve and says to them, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Uh, And you see, life for the Christian is not about a race to the top. It's about beginning to learn to take a journey to the bottom. Now that might sound very spiritual. It might sound very laudable. But how on earth do we begin to do that in a world like ours? Are we called to give up everything and take monastic vows? Jesus personally told a rich young ruler, someone who was very near the top, to sell all that he had and follow him. In other words, to come right down the ladder. But he couldn't do it. So how does Jesus expect us to begin this journey to the bottom? But he helps us here. He takes a child in his arms And he says that whoever welcomes this child or a child like this in his name, in other words, for his sake and in his strength, welcomes him. And whoever welcomes him also welcomes the one who sent him. Now there's a lot going on here. He is not, and I repeat, he is not saying here that we need to become like little children. He says that in chapter 10, but not here. He says here that we need to be people who welcome children. The point here is that children have no status. They're insignificant in the game of trying to reach the top. They can't give you money. They can't write you a reference. They give you no street cred. Nobody is going to be impressed if you tell them that you know little Amy who is four years old. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to change, if you want to start living life by God's wisdom, by God's standard, and not by the devil's wisdom and the earth's standards, then you begin by welcoming the most insignificant people, the ones who can give you no status, no power, no money, no influence. The ones who can't advance your career, who can't give you money, who can't make you particularly look good. This, I guess, is the wisdom that is without a trace of partiality, says James. Welcome them, be pleased to see them, open yourself to them, 
Include them in so far as you can in your community, in the community of faith, in your decisions, in your life. Look at how you can serve them for Jesus' sake. It's the consistent teaching of Jesus. He says, when you give a dinner party, don't invite the rich and the influential and the people who can further you and help you to go up. Invite, he says, the poor, the lame, the outcasts, the people at the bottom. You see, if we associate with people at the bottom for Jesus' sake, we will actually find that we're going down rather than up. And when we welcome them, we welcome Jesus who identified himself with them. When he emptied himself of all the sort of things that we call great and hung naked and powerless, on the cross. And I also suspect that as we spend time with those who are the least powerful, who are in our terms on the lowest rungs of the ladder, we'll begin to realize that life is not about climbing the ladder, but that life is about God, and it's about communion with God, and it's about love of each other. That life is not about getting, but giving. It's not about seeing who will serve us, but who I can serve. And when we start to see that, what happens to envy? You cannot envy the saint, and I put the saint in inverted commas there, the one who is very near the bottom of the ladder, the one who may be ridiculed, who has nothing, the one who has begun to serve people in Jesus' name, but who is also full of freedom, of joy, of naked dependence upon God, and who is being filled with the love of God. You cannot envy them, but maybe we can aspire to become like them. So don't look up, look down. Welcome in the name of Jesus the children. Quite literally, welcome children, but also welcome people who are like them with no status at the bottom. Because at the very, very bottom of this ladder, we see Jesus crucified for us, who died for us to bring us back to God, hanging on a cross with arms open wide, welcoming us.